1: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Everybody, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. and I'm Ben Bowen. Like that dramatic pause. Yeah, I did. I, I it was kind of shattering. It was there. slight, but uh, but it was there. So let's uh, let's jump right into today's topic because I wait. Uh, I don't I don't know how to feel about this one yet, and I'll tell you why. I'm 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 pretty much sold on this idea that the uh, the 2014 Corvette Stingray is an amazing car. I I there's no doubt about that. Whatever whatever I've read, whatever I've seen, whatever I've not really experienced because it's not out there yet. Right. But I'm pretty much sold that this thing is from the ground up you know an amazing amazing vehicle. Just any everything about it. Anything and everything. But I haven't seen one in person and I'm still I'll tell you I'm still kind of 50-50 on the exterior design.
4: Uh yeah, it's Described as a treat for loyalists, but
3: aimed at a new breed. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know if there's, I mean, just, I know this is early on here to uh, to put this out there, but I'm wondering if listeners are kind of the same way. Without seeing it in person, I've only seen it on television, I've seen it in ads, I've seen, you know, on websites. There's and some every, videos
4: on YouTube, Lots I think. of
3: photos now, because journalists have had an opportunity to, mm-hmm. to drive this thing. I haven't seen one on the road, and that changes my mind completely when I see one in person. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, either for the positive or for the, for the negative. Well, you gotta see it in action. I think so. And I've called and asked my dad about this because he's been at, you know, some GM events where there's a Corvette parked there. Mm -hmm. And I've asked him about it and he said, well, he he likes it a lot. Um, you know, the journalists seem to fall in love with this thing because we've got a lot of journalist reviews that are very favorable about this thing. Yeah, surprisingly so. And there was the Indy 500. It was the Pace car this year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it looked great there. But is that just the angles that I'm catching it from? Because there are certain angles when I wasn't quite sold on the way it looked. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm being way too critical about this, but it's kind of a big deal when they redesign the Corvette.
4: You're reminding me of Fox Mulder from the X Files right now because every, <laughs> the the vibe I'm getting
3: is you want to believe. I, I do. <laughs> I do. I want to believe, but uh, you know, th- this is a. I mean, like I said, it's a big deal when they change the design of the Corvette, and there were people, you know, online that were saying. Please, 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 before the reveal, they're saying, please do not screw this up, GM. Don't make this a bad looking car. This has got to be right. It's got to be right the first time. Mm -hmm. Don't bring it back in two years and redesign it again. Make this C7 the one that we want to buy.
4: Make it count. And this is, this is interesting because, you know, anybody uh, familiar with the history of the Corvette or the Stingray, knows that uh, the loyalists really do play a role in the development
3: of this vehicle. Absolutely, yeah, that's right, and there's a lot of history there as well. Now, Corvette goes all the way back, this is the 60th year of the Corvette, by mm-hmm. the way, so it goes back to 1953. Um, there have been seven generations, and I, I don't even know if we need to go through where the generations fall, but, um, you know, C1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through 7. Mm-hmm. Um found a little interesting note about 1983, which I just want to share because okay. it just something unusual that maybe not everybody knows um you know these cars were built in flint they were built in st louis they're uh and now in bowling green kentucky um so they kind of moved around during production in uh 1983 which falls right between the c3 and c4 generation um so 82 was the end of c3 84 was the beginning of c4 Mm -hmm. there was no 1983 corvette and some people may not have known that. I know a lot of people probably already do because we have a, a listener and audience that is, uh, you know, very car savvy. Oh, we've got some Cor- Corvette fans we, too, for we sure. We definitely do. Now, what I did find about the, uh, the, the 83 Corvette is that, of course, it was supposed to fall, like I mentioned, between, you know, C3, C3 and, and C4. C4. That's right. Um this 83 VET, there were only 43 prototypes ever built. And all except for one of those prototypes was destroyed. Uh, and that's because there were, there were quality issues, there were parts delays, things like that that were happening, um, at the factory level that didn't allow it to happen in 1983. So there's a gap in the Corvette, uh, production history. And that's, again, that's 1983. There's that one, prototype car that exists out there it's a white car and it's the only surviving 83 prototype and it's currently on display at the bowling green kentucky museum which is the uh the national corvette museum uh so you can go there and see it the car is still owned by gm obviously they, they wanted to hang on to that they've got such an amazing collection of cars Ooh, anyways well. but um so this one kind of oddball one-off car this 83 corvette is, is still on display you can go check it out if you want um it's just kind of an interesting side note i thought in the whole Sixty-year history.
4: Well, I've got a side note too on that. Before we continue, I have to ask. Remember, we did the VH1 Corvette giveaway I episode. Do. Yes, I do. Which is just an amazing, um, amazing story, and I recommend that people listen to it. So, I guess that's the one he didn't get, huh?
3: That is. Uh, that must be the one that the uh, that the winner did not receive. Yeah, that's right. It's strange that's a strange story that give that giveaway because uh you know because of what happened afterwards, you know all the car where they went and yeah who ended up with them and it's just a it's a weird story, but yeah, we have a full episode on that don't we yeah,
4: and we- so we won't lose too much time on the vh one giveaway since we already do have a podcast out about that. however, if you are a corvette enthusiast at all and you somehow haven't heard this episode yet, then please do everyone a favor and listen to it immediately after listening
3: to this. <laughs> That's an order.
4: Oh yeah, guess yeah. I was kind of. I just, I really enjoyed
3: that story. I did too. So. That was a that was a cool story, and it was a neat thing that they did. And I wonder. I mean, I haven't seen anything like that ever again. They've never. They have. There's never been anything of that that scale ever to happen again. A car giveaway like that. I mean, um, I, I, mean I know there's so many. There are individuals. Yeah, but that was an amazing giveaway. What a story! So, okay, let's get back to our Stingray here. Right, we're right. talking about the 2014 Corvette Stingray, mm. and and one thing that we need to say is that you know they don't just kind of flippantly use the Stingray name for any vehicle that they that they have. It's gone away for a while, and um, GM looks at it a, at a, as a, uh, a moniker that has to be earned. Yeah, it's kind of like a mark of quality. It absolutely is. I mean, it's it's reserved for for special Corvette models, and. Um, I think it goes all the way back to 1959. There was a race car that had it. And then on the 19, I think it's 1963, uh, the C2 design, uh, which is an incredible design, by the way. That's probably one of my favorites. I've got a, a few favorites along the way. More but, than the C3? But the C, um, possibly, yeah, possibly. I think the C2 design is maybe my favorite. Uh, the 63 splitbacks mm-hmm. and, you know, the, that era. Um, but, but the Stingrays of that era, they're probably, you know, some of the most, I guess, well-known, more well-recognized vehicles, and they sure. were just outright performance cars. And, of course, you know, the, the the Stingray name hung on for a while and went away and came back, and um, it, it's just... I think that, you know, for them to bring it out again for the 2014 says a lot about the vehicle that they've made, and they they put a lot of pride into this vehicle. I mean, this, this vehicle, if you watch any of the uh, General Motors um, or Chevrolet, I guess... Um, materials about this online. They've got a, the whole website dedicated just to the 2014 Corvette and they've got short videos and they've got a whole, you know, page that's kind of drumming up excitement for it before it arrives at the showrooms because it's not out right now. Um, a lot of this that you'll see is that they use a lot of phrases about honoring the craft and, mm-hmm. you know, this is the enemy of the same. And they've got a lot of catch phrases like, you know, beauty and purpose and a beautiful weapon and, you know, phrases like that along the way that, um, Really show you that, you know, that they're really taking every single bit of this seriously. And, and before I even forget this, I've got to say one, one quick thing. One of the, one of the quotes from one of the engineers in this car, in this, uh, this video about making the car, uh, uh, was saying that every single gram of weight that goes into this Corvette has to earn its way onto the car. And I thought that was a fantastic quote. It's like, you know, there's nothing that we, we take for granted. Everything has to be scrutinized. Is it necessary? And if it is, how can we make that part the, the lightest, the strongest, the best that we can? And it, that's every tiny little detail. That's, that's exterior, interior, powertrain, mm-hmm. chassis, whatever it happens to be. Everything has been scrutinized on this car. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's extremely well put together. And, uh, and not that the ones prior hadn't been. It's just that this is that much better. It's a, it's a, it's an enormous step up.
4: Now, uh, I think at this point, if you're okay with it, we should talk about some of the stats.
3: Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so let's
4: start with the weight because I agree that is a fantastic quote by the engineer. The frame is new. It is aluminum. It is 100 pounds lighter than the previous
3: iteration. That's amazing. That's a, that's a huge weight savings.
4: Yeah, and it's 57% stiffer than the steel frame under the 2013 and Grand Sport models. Always good. Uh, so this also has a magnetic-based damping system a limited slip differential, so this actually will handle a little bit better too, mm-hmm. in addition to being lighter.
3: I'm going to talk about handling in a in a short while, I promise, because there's a lot to that. There's uh there's several modes you can select and all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Um and then oh
4: you're right. Okay, sorry. I got excited for a second and let me get back to <laughs> no, <laughs> the no, no basics problem. we're at. Um so that gives it uh four hundred and fifty five horsepower, four hundred and sixty pound feet of torque. And uh this also has little thing called cylinder deactivation
3: yeah yeah which uh, a lot of people may not like really but there's Mm -hmm. a there's a couple of different things like that and man i I do want to get into that as we go through because there's a few things like that like um you know what i'll just say it now they have a there's also variable valve timing Mm -hmm. and uh, direct injection which is something brand new for this engine as well they've never done that on corvette on any of those three things have never happened on a corvette so that's a big deal for gm or for for chevrolet really
4: Right, and I can see how some people not might not be a fan of some of this stuff, mm-hmm. especially traditionalists because the cylinder deactivation cuts fuel to four of the cylinders under a light load.
3: But that's something that happens when you're at highway speeds, you know, if you're cruising, mm-hmm. and uh, there've been some engines in the past that have uh they've tried this, there's been some that are successful, there's been some that are, that are Horrible failures. And, um, you know, I know that they've got their act together for this one and, you know, the successes have come much later than the failures, which were early on. Um, can I just quickly? Yeah. My, my grandfather, you know how I've mentioned him a few times, many Mm -hmm. times on this podcast. Yep. He drove those giant Cadillacs, right? Oh, nice. The land yachts. Huge Cadillacs, right? (laughs) Yeah. And he had one in specific and I laugh every time I hear about cylinder deactivation because he had a Cadillac that had, Um, an engine that they called the 864 engine. And it's exactly what this is. It would, it would reduce, uh, the cylinder activation down to six when you didn't need eight, and down to four when you didn't need eight, again. So, you know, it would, it would go, it would step down from eight cylinders to six cylinders to four cylinders. And that thing gave him horrible trouble. And it was, it was a nightmare engine, and, and it's known that it was a bad, I mean, it was, it was really, it gave a lot of people a lot of trouble but if i were to even if i were to go to him now cuz he's still around yeah if i were to go to him now and even mention that car with that 864 engine he would probably grab his head and you know shake it cuz i i mean it was such a headache for him but anyways i anytime i hear a cylinder deactivation uh, i think of that but then i think of like the positive examples too i think there was a uh, hemi engine uh mm-hmm. from Chrysler from Dodge that um that had cylinder deactivation that was tremendously successful it was uh, it was re- very well done and uh, and it worked out great I mean and I can see that you know I, I know by what I've heard and what I've read and what I've looked at you know in the last week and a half two weeks about this corvette that you know they've got it together for this deactivation so I want to quell any uh any concerns I guess that you know that there's going to be trouble with this one
4: Ah, uh, yes, and, uh. As much as I
3: can, anyways.
4: Yeah, it's fair that you say that because, you know, uh, as people can probably tell from the context of this conversation, the overall purpose of having cylinder deactivation at all is to, uh, increase efficiency. Correct. Right? So we've got the 2014 Stingray getting 29 miles per gallon on the highway, um, and Previously, that was 26 miles per
3: gallon on yeah. the other model. Yeah, and you know what? This is also going to help out with GM's cafe standards that they have to meet. and oh, all that. Yeah. Have, you know, the fleet standards that they have to, to have to, they're required to make, you know, like certain miles per gallon average. And Oh, we have to do a cafe racers podcast. Uh, oh, cafe. Well, yeah, you know what? That That's good. Cafe racers, cafe standards, cafe. It's, we should go to a cafe and, and, and we should broadcast
4: live, over our live at a cafe. Why not?
3: So, all cafe all day.
4: All right. so, okay, so back to back to the stats. Um, but this is something that I know you really wanted to talk about, the drive modes.
3: Yeah, you know what? Um you know let me let me Am find I jumping it. ahead. Well maybe not not totally because um there's other things that I want to get back to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back and forth then. So let's talk okay. about uh, the these these drive modes because this is a big deal. Um it's a it's a driver selected function. Mm-hmm. And uh there's there's really um 12 different attributes that are affected by this uh, this driver mode select um there's the there's this magnetic selective ride control uh the exhaust sound is affected uh Ooh. the trans shift pattern the electronic throttle control all these different things but the modes themselves these different modes that the driver is allowed to select um they, they go from um most conservative to most aggressive I'll list them okay um there's the the weather mode there's the eco mode tour mode Sport mode and then track mode, and they're just exactly what they sound like. If you're in, mm-hmm. if you're in poor weather conditions, um, you want to select weather. And you want to you want to go for best miles per gallon. You want to put it in the eco mode. If you're just kind of driving around town, general driving, uh, I guess you'd call it um, eco mode, touring mode, uh, maybe long distances. You know, like mm-hmm. you're on the highway and you're just uh, I, I don't know. Touring mode is something different. I, I don't really know that. Um, sport course that's a little more spirited driving and then track you know that's obviously that's going to be the most aggressive setting um and everything i mean the the suspension the chassis settings change, brake um, and not only that the entire cluster switches when you select these different modes so you know there's this display in front of you mm-hmm. and it's not the same for all five modes so when you select eco mode versus let's say sport mode you're going to see a completely different cluster in front of you, which is an incredible thing. That is true. It's really neat. And, and it's to like see, a different car. Yeah, it really does. It becomes a different uh, di- a different driver cockpit area. Oh, and really? uh, I think touring is like the default. Oh, okay, that's good. I, I think I'm, that's why it's so vague. Okay, you know, I, I would see, I, I can understand that. Touring is just, uh, default is like, that's when you get in and you turn the key and that's what it's yeah, automatically that's what, in. That's uh, the first cluster you'll see. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so sorry I didn't know the details. No, in that no, no. One, but, hey, um, no. Apologize. Yeah, you we- talked about the uh, the frame and everything. The, uh, yeah. Um, w- there's also a carbon fiber hood and roof on this oh, thing. Oh yeah, how did I forget that? We recently talked about carbon fiber with the wheels, right? Right. It, but not in not in the Corvette, but carbon fiber wheels on another podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, this this new Corvette, has a carbon fiber hood and roof, which is standard. It's not even an option. It's standard. And I think you can get a transparent one, which is glass. um, So, you know, you can can opt out of that. But the standard roof is carbon fiber and standard hood as well. Of course, it takes weight off the front of the vehicle and off of the highest and largest panels, uh, which also helps to lower the center of gravity, which is big in a car like this. Um, you mentioned the engine already and we talked about all the, uh, the different, uh, you know, advancements, I guess, with that. Oh, yeah. You know what we should talk about. What's that? We need to
4: talk about the acceleration and the speed because that's what so many people are listening for. But before we do, what do you think about taking a quick ad break? Why not?
1: Get emotional with me, Radhi Davlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry, as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Dablukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, You can find me in my studio, hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least,
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, and we are
3: back. Mr. Benjamin, would you do the honors with the acceleration? Ah, they have promised all along. That the acceleration in this car would be from zero to 60 in under four seconds. Yep. Under four seconds. Now that's, uh, that's pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the price of this car, you may not believe it because that kind of ties into this to me. I don't, I don't <laughs> know why, why these two are linked to personally. Okay. But the coupe itself, the coupe, We'll sell for something like $51,000. That's that's an MSRP estimate right now at this point. Mm -hmm. They're not sure exactly that that's going to be it, but that's what it's estimated at. That's shipping and everything. I would say that ends up being... 52. Uh, maybe. You know, we'll see how yeah, yeah. You're, you're You're anticipating a bump, I see. Yeah. Um, and the convertible is going to be about 56000 Now, the reason I I tie pricing with that with, uh, with this 0 to 60 time, and I don't know why I do that. I mean, because there are a lot of smaller cars that are $25,000 that'll do something similar. You know, like, uh, maybe a Subaru WRX or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but they're not as powerful. Correct. Yeah, because you're talking about a, a Corvette. I mean, this is a, this is a big car because this car has been built to be longer, lower, wider mm-hmm. than the previous generation Corvette, which says a whole lot, really. Right, because this is in the, the
4: latest in a line of cars that were always aiming for longer, lower, wider. That's
3: right, and you know who that was from, right? That was Harley Earl. Yes. Way, way back in the day that said, you know, I want these cars longer, lower, wider, and they, they you know, Detroit pretty much adhered to that, or General Motors adhered to that mm-hmm. anyways, and really all of Detroit did. but uh, And then they got away from it with a fuel shortage thing, but... Um, this one, for it to be longer, lower, wider than the current Corvette. I mean, you've seen current Corvettes on the road. Yeah. They're already plenty long, pr- plenty low, plenty wide, right? Yes. Sir. I mean, this is going to be, I think, an impressive road-going car. It's going to look good on the road, and it's it's slightly it's slightly more than the uh, than the current vehicle. Now, yeah, it's like
4: fourteen hundred more.
3: Yeah, that's it. That's that's the big thing is that you mm. know this is a completely redesigned car built to. Um, I mean. I'm gonna say, like, it's a, it's more of an international car, and in that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not quite supercar, but it's getting, it's bordering on exotic. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, um it could be a showpiece for somebody. Other people it could just be another car, I guess. You know but what they call it, right? What's that? An attainable dream car. Yeah, I guess so. It's their. It's kind of their flagship car, right? I mean, I, it is. I, it it is, is their flagship. It is their flagship car, and they're selling it for fifty-one thousand, which is really you said fourteen hundred more than the current coupe, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive because you know the horsepower is going up, the torque's going up. All new design. Um, you know, you can get a different performance exhaust with this thing that you know ups it even more, the horsepower even more, yeah. like another five horsepower, I think. Uh, um, they completely designed the interior, redesigned the interior. Yeah, the interior is is really, and I know it sound like I'm gushing about this thing. <laughs> I don't mean to because I haven't even seen one person, but it, it's really, I'll say it's beautiful. It's a beautiful now, interior. No,
4: Scott, can you give us a little bit of context on this because everywhere I looked, there's uh. There's a long-standing gripe from Corvette loyalists that says the interior use it, could use some work.
3: Yeah, they've. Uh, I mean, I guess as with any car line, you know, the the, uh, the design, I guess, gets a little bit stayed, a little bit stale, um, and I think that was what was going on. They were saying that, you know, maybe the materials themselves were were on the cheap side, uh, and okay. and I don't mean that to be you know too despairing towards towards GM, or, GM or, or Chevrolet in any way it just happens and that's what happened remember we talked about the uh the, the viper oh, and yes. it was the same way the, which is now the srt mm-hmm. uh well i think it's viper srt but it's not yeah. dodge anymore or whatever right. but that was the the main complaint mm-hmm. with that is that you know the interior was really uh, not it was it was showing its age maybe. <laughs> I like and, that. and Lincoln was the same way. Remember we talked about yeah. that with the Lincoln. It was showing mm-hmm. its age, so you know they 've got to update, and that 's exactly what the uh the Corvette designers have done you now they they 've used just premium materials and it's all, you know, well stitched together. I mean, everything is, uh, you know, leather covered and it's got this really nice uh,
4: feel to it. Even the frame, they took the steel out
3: of the seat frames and replaced it with magnesium. Yeah, it's magnesium seat frames, which are really cool. And you can get two different types. You can get a GT seat and then there's another one, right? Mm-hmm. There's a uh, competition sport seat, mm-hmm. uh, which is more for the, uh, the, like a track driving. I guess the GT seat is like, um, kind of the uh I guess the general seat it's a little the more daily co- driver seat. Yeah, it's a little more cushy but still it's a performance seat. Right. Um the uh the, the competition seat is of course for track driving. Uh it's a little less forgiving. Um maybe a little extra support for lateral acceleration things like that. But again, same magnesium frame. Uh they use really high-end very refined and very authentic materials is how they put it. Authentic materials. So, <laughs> so what they they mean is, if it looks like leather, it is leather. If it looks like carbon fiber, it is carbon fiber. It's not, you know, some cheap overlay or wrap. Sure. Um, and the material, like the the materials and the metals and the the uh, the fabrics and everything, they all are are pleasing to the touch. How about that? That's probably the best way to say it. You know, it's it's a comfortable car to be in. It's a comfortable car to look at. Um, you know, because it's it's a very Mm-hmm. I guess it's a nice design, really. That's and, probably what I'm getting at.
4: And also, they're they're still doing the um, or following rather the trend that we see in a lot of premium vehicles nowadays, which is the electronic aspects, the computerized aspects mm-hmm. are stepping forward at an unprecedented rate. I mean, sure. the difference between the 2013 and the 2014 in this in this dimension is startling because. The 2014 Stingray has 69 different readings showing up on that cluster. Isn't that a lot? Uh,
3: that, okay. Is this a plane? It does seem like a lot. And when you look at the interior, it's a very impressive interior. I was just showing, uh, that to our producer, Noel, and, and saying, you know, doesn't this look like you're driving or you're not driving, you're flying mm-hmm. a jet? I mean, it, it looks like a, uh, a cockpit. Right. A fighter cockpit, really. I mean, and the, the cool thing is that it's all, and I know a lot of cars have done this now, but it's all, bent and angled towards the driver mm-hmm. and the passenger really there's just a glove box over there and maybe a vent you know yeah, that's about yeah. it i mean you're you're merely the passenger in this in this vehicle clearly uh the this car is all about the driver and you can tell that just by looking at the at the overall dash view you know what's available to the driver what's available to the passenger which is really nothing mm-hmm. um but it's it's such an impressive layout and design and they say that it, it becomes um very automatic. Very, it's very um, ergonomic, I guess, in the way that, that things are laid out, and the way that you know when you switch between different modes, it's not as challenging as you think to really kind of get your bearings as to what what's what. Um, you're able to you're able to quickly pick up on you know okay this is where I need to uh, need to look for this instrument or this this instrument, and uh, you know as far as reaching for things, everything is where it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's a comfortable feel, even though there's a lot and it sounds complex. It's intuitive. It's intuitive. That's maybe the best way to put it, Ben.
4: So I want to before we go any further. Now you you pointed out earlier, Scott, that you feel as though you might be gushing a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna say that we're gonna nip that in the bud because before we started recording, when we were off air, you said that there was something outrageous.
3: That's right. And you know what? I will get to that in just a moment. But you know what we need to do first? What's that? Probably should take a quick break for another ad. Oh, good idea.
1: Get emotional with me, Rathi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Okay, so we're back, and you know, I I know I said, you know, that that uh, there's something that's that's an outrage, I guess, but I maybe that's overstating it a little bit. But um, there's something I think a lot of the purists are going to really, really dislike about, uh, something that's coming. It's not on the, it's not on the 2014. So the, the one that we'll initially see at the dealers is not going to have this feature. They're talking about future Corvette Stingrays. So maybe in 2015, 2016, 2016 on the road. Yeah. They're talking about equipping them with start stop technology. Why? <laughs> okay. This is now the odd, the really odd thing about this is now I know that it's about fuel saving and you know yeah, economy and everything. Sure. Understood yeah. that. I understand that. The um, they're saying that future Corvettes may be equipped with this start-stop technology. Uh, they've they've opted against it uh, for the 2014 because it would hurt the car's high performance image initially. Right. Right. Totally understand that. I get, I get that, and I and I feel the exact same way. I think it's a good idea to not ever do it. I think so too. And you know, they're saying that GM may be forced in the future to make this a, a standard feature because of uh, fuel economy requirements. Oh, and right. And so that's okay. what's the, that's what's the driving force behind this whole thing. Otherwise, there would be no reason for them to do that in this car. Hmm. Now, you know what's what's funny about this and when you really really think about it you know it just doesn't it just doesn't quite fit with this type of vehicle right it doesn't fit at,
4: at all but they they did say they're trying to make it more powerful and more fuel efficient yeah
3: but imagine this you're in a you're in a 2014 corvette stingray you got that 6.2 liter engine that has what what do we say 455 yeah. 455 horsepower it's probably growling pretty good you know mm-hmm. it's got a good sound to it you pull up to a stoplight it's dead quiet then you go to take off and that stoplight and then it picks back up again. It's going to, it's, it just seems, it, it does not seem like that's the type of application for this, this, uh, this technology. Is
4: that right? I mean. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, try it out. Sure, by all means. Make some prototypes and see. But I, I think that quite a few Corvette drivers, especially people who are familiar with Corvettes, and quite a few of them are not going to like that.
3: Oh, I absolutely think a lot of them. I think, I think, uh, there's gonna be a near 100% number that aren't going to approve of that, that technology. So, um, man, I don't know what to do about that, but that's gonna, that's happening, you know, probably in the future, not on the 2014, but I did want to get it out there that that's what's happening. And you mentioned a lot of, uh, a lot of electronics, a lot of, uh, you know, Different, yeah. different things that are happening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we haven't really talked about the, um, the magnetic dampening and the, uh, and the suspension or anything like that. Um, but I do want to say that, you know, there's a, there's a base version and there's a Z51 performance package that people can get. And I oh, guess, point. I guess these suspensions in this thing are what some of these reviewers that have already driven them call vastly different. They say that it's, it's a completely different animal. Mm. Like when you drive, uh, the, the base version versus the Z51 performance package, um, it's like driving a, a completely different car on the track. Now they, they've had it set up for these reviewers in a, uh, like an autocross situation, a parking lot with, with cones. And, uh, you know, who can get around the cones fastest? So, you know, they're able to experience it firsthand directly, like th- this is what this feels like and then hop in the, the seat of this one and see what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And the Z51 just performs so much better, um, in that type of situation. It was, uh, you know, of course it's more of a sport or track performance you know, oriented vehicle than, sure. than the base version but um and the z51 package is an additional 2800 bucks so you know that's not a whole lot of of extra money when you're talking about something that's already costing you fifty-one thousand. right comparatively yeah jump it up to uh you know 50 53 8 or 50 yeah 53 8 mm-hmm. um not a not a big jump comparatively you're right but it does give you larger wheels um high performance tires of course there's a completely unique chassis tuning and suspension uh that's available with this and of course you know it's a little bit rougher on the streets they always feel like they need to it need to mention that and of course then there's the uh, magnetic ride control suspension on the uh, z51 which um that's that's the big deal the, the magnetic ride control and we'll go into that some other time okay that's its own topic um Man, some of these other advancements you you mentioned electronics, right? Um, yeah,
4: there's uh, they're using what is uh, I would say the MyLink infotainment system thing. It, it's getting generally positive reviews. People like it. Okay. Now for for me, you know, I I'm a little bit old school with this stuff. I I hate to sound like a cantankerous old man. I don't know if I'm old enough to do that yet. But honestly, Scott. Is it a good idea for people to have internet browsers and stuff in their car? I mean, I know that MyLink is built with safety in mind, but I am so suspicious anytime I see an infotainment says, I don't think people should have TVs well, in their car. They, I'm going to
3: say it. I, they will constantly tell you that, you know, it's not designed to be used while driving and, you know, it's not designed for this and that, but you know that people are going to be using it while they're driving.
4: Right. And I, I mean, I get it if you have, uh, a Dodge Caravan or something. You're on a road trip with the kids. Sure. And to have a TV in there for Mm -hmm. the kids to watch or for people who aren't driving.
3: Anyone except the driver.
4: Yeah. I just feel, I feel like there's already a lot going on when you're driving a car Mm -hmm. and music is cool, but I, I'm sorry, let me get off the soapbox before I ascend it completely (laughs) and just say that, yeah, the, the electronics are, are complex. My only gripe is, you know, a gripe that I have with Every, every car that's coming out with, um, an onboard, uh, intuitive, you know, touch screen in- mm-hmm. entertainment system like sure. that. I just think it's too easy to not focus on driving.
3: It's just a little too much is what you're saying. Yeah. It's a
4: little too much, but you know what, man? I am somebody trying to empty the ocean with a bucket in that respect because <laughs> the tide has already turned and the next car anyone buys. Five years from now is going to have something like that. You know that.
3: what? I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, it's just a, it's a little bit too much of a distraction. I, I personally couldn't do it. I know there are other people out there that can do it. I can't even. I, I I mean, I couldn't even manage dialing a phone or something in my car. I just I don't even attempt it. I, I you don't I'm even strictly mess with the radio. I don't on. mess with it one bit. <laughs> I'm strictly eyes on the road, you know, driving. that it. I, I, I have this picture of you uh,
4: hopping into your car and it's on an unfamiliar radio station. But you don't find out about it until you're
3: accelerating. <laughs> so you go, oh, I guess it's just I'm, Tejano music for now. I'm stuck with that. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be a Zydeco for me. That's it. So, alright. So, yeah. um, we talked about uh, electronics. I guess there's a few things. You know, I want to get back to electronics in just a second. Okay. Uh, but you know, we, we, we mentioned all these different handling characteristics. There's active handling, stability control, there's mm-hmm. performance traction management. Um, but again, they've made it so that you know the, this is a driver's car don't don't get me wrong there the, they can turn all that off if they want sure. and i know that there's some type of you know there's residual bits of this left in there you know that's still active but uh for the most part you're able to turn this stuff off if you don't want to use it so you know, even though they're dumping in all these different electronic controls, you know that that are safe and electronic stability control and mm-hmm. um, you know performance traction management and all this stuff, you can get rid of it. You can, you can, or at least you, you can mute it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you can, you can think that it's totally gone if you want to. <laughs> and I know that there are track modes and things like that to so sure. put the car into. Um, also, aerodynamics. Man, mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about aerodynamics. There's so much. There's a lot to talk about. Aerodynamics. Here. All right. So, um, you know, the, there's a functional hood outlet in the front, and uh, the interesting thing about this is that the radiator air that goes through the the lower front grille exits right through the hood. Almost, it goes up over the glass. Then, and uh, this is kind of a this is a race car solution to this problem. It really is. It's not what happens with most. Automobiles. Most automobiles, the 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 hot air from under the hood exits below the vehicle, uh-huh. and or flows through most vehicles, or it intakes through the hood and then flows out underneath. Sure. Uh, this this is very much like a race car, and where that it enters through the front, exits through the hood, and goes over the vehicle. Um, completely different than than most cars out there on the road. Now, Man. what?
4: Let's take a second here, yeah. because let's realize General Motors is trying to do more than one thing with this vehicle. I mean first off, buying if I I won't know until I drive it or I'll believe you if you drive it and you tell me this. It sounds like they're they're pitching these different modes as almost completely different vehicles. Mm -hmm. Right? So Averaging out, that's a little over uh, ten grand a vehicle. Oh well, not that unreasonable at all.
3: That's really not that unreasonable you're, you're, at all.
4: You're really saving money if you think about it. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's right. This is how I'm going to pitch it it's to my like, girlfriend. It's like five vehicles in one, Ben. Yeah, that's I'm, that's how I'm going to pitch. You it know what? You me. know what else won't be a, a big sell? What's that? Um, this has a seven-speed manual transmission. Now you can get an uh, you can get an automatic transmission, <sighs> yeah, which yeah, is well a why uh, would you? Well, yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, there's yeah, reasons okay. for it, but yeah, um, right. I'm, I'm also a fan of the manual. But let me tell you about well, first. The uh, the six-speed is a uh, paddle shift, of course, as you would expect. That's right. the automatic. Now, so you can paddle shift the automatic, which is still pretty cool. That is cool. The uh, the manual transmission, which is, you know, the normal stick, you mm. know, with the clutch and everything that you would normally find with a, a manual transmission, it has something called active rev matching. And uh, this is something that's unique. It's a um, – this is really cool, and I'll I'll describe it how the engineers described it. As soon as you start to move the shifter towards another gear – the vehicle recognizes that and it and it blips the throttle so that you get the engine at the exact right speed in order to match match the revs exactly where it should be oh, for, cool. the, for that gear and it will determine whether you're trying to go you're trying to upshift or downshift and it will adjust the the engine speed accordingly so you're going to have these seamless shifts even though you may not be an expert shifter Mm -hmm. you know, you may not be uh someone who's very very uh well versed at that but uh this Mm -hmm. is going to make you this car is going to really smooth out your driving uh it's going to make for transparent downshifts um it's just something that that I don't know, it's going to make you shift like a professional driver really. I mean if you think about it. I mean it's going to really really help you out quite a bit. And I don't know if active rev matching is something you can turn off or not. I haven't, you know, right. dug deep yeah. enough into that cuz some people may not like that, but um I don't know why you wouldn't. If you're a good shifter now, it's just going to make you even better. If you're not a great shifter, it's going to make you okay.
4: <laughs> that, that's a very positive thing to say. I I only have like one one or two more things.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much on the end of this one. I I do feel I feel like I've been doing this commercial for the uh the 2014 <laughs> corvette but that's not the case it's just we're going by general motors and and um Chevrolet's information that they've put out so far and we're, we're based on you know what reviewers have said and of course they're all very positive yeah um, I haven't really heard anything this, bad about it
4: yeah this isn't a stinker i i haven't I actually have also not heard anything bad the um the stuff that I have heard as criticism on forums or whatever is pretty much just referring to some of the same
3: things we've mentioned that purists wouldn't like—the deactivation of the cylinders yeah, and uh, that kind of stuff. And, okay, some of the the variety, the variable valve timing, yeah. maybe. Yes, exactly. And I can imagine what they're going to think about start stop. I think we already know what everybody thinks about start stop. I mean,
4: GM probably doesn't like having to have start
3: stop in there. I would not think so. That's something that they've uh, well, they protested it for 2014, so mm-hmm. we'll see how long they can hold out. So, um,
4: one last note to end on then, uh, the direct competitor for Corvette Mm -hmm. as GM sees it is the Porsche 911. Oh, wow. So they, uh, they've got some sales numbers that they're, they're looking at. And this ties into what I think should be one of the bookends for our podcast here. Now, we started off, I think early on in here, one of us had the quotation about how it was supposed to please the people who are brand loyal is supposed to be aimed at a new crowd too sure um that is really one of the end games of the 2014 i mean that's why it's so different that's why it's called a stingray that's why it has all these new not just bells and whistles but new and significant improvements to its performance uh it's supposed to hopefully especially the new design draw uh younger buyers into this
3: or people who would not normally buy a Corvette yeah and without going to a tremendous price increase because you know I'm looking at the the list I mean from going from 49.6 right now for the uh, the base coupe all the way up to uh, the you know the ZR1 which sells for 112,000 um, they've got they, they couldn't make such a big jump you know they had to they had to do something that was in the uh, in the price range for that younger buyer right yeah and
4: they're trying to get that they're trying to get a younger crowd in Europe because you know Corvette historically has not been the biggest success in Europe. Yeah. So we're going to see where this goes. I I don't think this is a gamble. I do think this is a smart move, and I do think there are some compromises. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I this is a car that I would definitely, I would definitely consider buying it. I almost said I'd definitely buy it, but I feel like you always have to take a test drive first.
3: I don't know, man. Corvette, Corvettes, Corvette. I I love Corvettes. I always have. And, uh, you know, I've had a few friends that have had them. Uh, my brother has one right Your now. My
4: grandfather had a Corvette. Uh,
3: yeah, so it's like, no, my grandfather didn't have a Corvette. He had, uh, he had some other fantastic cars, but never a Corvette that I know of. Oh, okay. So um, but, but they've been around the family, you know, okay. like uh, here and there. So, man, I don't know. I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm still 50-50 on that design, though. I mean, I mentioned that early on.
4: Yeah, that's true. But, you, you know, you're not the kind of guy who likes people fixing stuff that's not broken.
3: That's true, yeah.
4: But, um, we would like to hear what you guys think about the 2014 Corvette and, uh, you know, go ahead and throw in some ideas that you would recommend to GM if you spoke with them directly. Uh, you can drop us a line at Facebook, you can give us a holler at Twitter, and you can send us an email directly. We are carstuff at discovery.com.